Stand by for the Terry Saul Show. Five, roll tape. Four, cue Terry. Three, bring audio up. Two, stand by. One, play intro. Stay tuned for the Terry Soul Show, Soltissimo, on Salem's original radio station, 104.3 and 1220 AM, KSLM. Good morning. Welcome to the Terry Soul Show on Salem's original radio station, KSLM, AM, and FM. I am your host, and I'm so glad that you joined us. Also joining us this morning is Amanda. Good morning, Amanda Smith. How are we? Good morning, Terry. How are you? I'm doing okay. I want to remind everybody that today's show is being brought to you by the Lule Group, Lule's Car Connection, Don Lule Homes, and Teresa Lule State Farm Insurance. And we have, uh, I'm going to mess your name up, but don't tell me. I'm gonna, let me get this. Sarita. Correct. Mm-hmm. Good job. Did I, get that? Well, Did I get that? Do I win like a toaster or anything? I'll, you know? I'll give you a gold star. There you go. I got it. Uh, Sarita <laughs> Cross, and you are running for the City Council of Kaiser. Uh, what, number four? Position four, Position yes. Position four. Okay. How are you? Good. How are you? I'm doing okay. I got your name right. Yeah. <laughs> so that's a start. That's right. That's what's going well. Um, <laughs> you're going to be with us uh, for the first half of today's show, and then we're going to talk with uh, Jason from the Freedom Foundation in mm-hmm. the second half of today's show. So let's get right into you, Sarita. Is this your first time running for something? Yes. Okay. Tell me a little bit about you. What's your background? Where are you from? Who are you? Thank you. <laughs> are you married? <laughs> Cover it all. What, what kind of car do you drive? We're <laughs> getting right. close and personal here. I'm telling you. Uh, I like it. So my name is Sarita Cross. I have lived in the Salem-Kaiser community for 30 years. I've lived in Kaiser for 20 years. Uh, my husband will be celebrating our 20-year wedding anniversary Good in December. For you. Congratulations. That's a huge accomplishment. 20, 20 years like to the same person. I'll never see that. That's dedication. You know? Jeez. Right. Through the good and the bad, the thick and the thin. That's I love right. it. Yep. So 20 years, that's super <laughs> exciting. That's probably like 50 years in today's married right? times. Right. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> we have a blended family. All the kids are out of the house and a couple cats at home. Oh, you're I, a cat person. And a dog person, but I don't have the time to really take care of dogs. So that's probably like in retirement. Right. <laughs> Fair uh, enough. I've worked for the same company for the last 17 years, Vips Industries Hospitality. Uh, this company owns Grand Hotel in Salem in Bridgeport, the Phoenix in Suites. Um, also has a management contract for the Salem Convention Center. Oh, nice. Yeah. So as I've uh, moved up through the ranks at... That company, I started out as a bar manager for Bentley's Grill, moved up to management, did some special events and catering, events, assistant GM, and then eventually was a general manager of Bentley's Grill, the big restaurant that's connected to the Grand Hotel and Convention Great Center. Great food there, by the way. Yes. The food is incredible. <laughs> so when COVID Did you bring had, us any? We're, we actually been in closed. Yeah, they've <sighs> been closed. Have they really? Yeah. Because of the COVID? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So we closed wow. for COVID in March 2020. And then at that point, I was moved over to our Phoenix Inn Suites in Salem. So then I was a general manager of a hotel. So still dealt with people, but just kind of used. I wasn't ordering food. I was ordering toiletries for a hotel. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. So just used those um, management skills that I'd learned for operations and uh, moved over to our hotel. So right now, that hotel was actually the first hotel that the company built 32 years ago that will be going a big renovation in December and we'll be closed about four or five months out there so I'm going back over to Bentley's Grill and I'll be training the new general manager and so we're looking at a December January opening date for the restaurant which is super exciting that is chef Hans will be coming back and he is just a wonderful man and I'm excited to be 
part of all that, it will be fast and furious, and the community is excited about it. So what do you do in your spare time? Right. <laughs> Good gosh. So that is my job. Okay, um, so let me ask you this. Why, why did you decide you've never run for any kind of a mm-hmm. political position before? Why did you decide to do this now? So I feel like everything's been a step in my life. I'm also a CASA of Marion County. I've been a CASA for the last two and a half years for foster children. That's amazing. I'm on my third case. Two years ago, someone approached me about being uh, part of the YMCA board, and I was like, no, I got my plate full. And then um, I heard about all the amazing things they do for foster families and free memberships, and I said, okay. All right, that can help my foster kids. I can help bridge the cap with the DHS workers, you know, just give them new things for these foster kids to do. So then I joined the YMCA board. Um, I'm also on the YMCA executive committee. Of course you are. (laughs) (laughs) You wear many hats. I was the chair for our first annual YMCA signature event that raised 130,000 this year at the convention. Wow, congratulations. Thank you. It was awesome. Um, I am on the CTEC, Career Technical Education Center. I'm on their Hospitality Industry Alliance Council. Okay. So, uh, I've been there for... We have an opening here at the radio station for a board member. Would you like that? I think I'm good. So, uh, you know, I'll go there and teach a couple classes every three or four months, just, you know, talking to them about things that, you know, how to deal with guests, but then teach them how they can relate that to their family, too, and just, um, you know, just encourage them and to let the kids know that people in their community care about them. There's people that care. And that we are here, and I'm one of them. Okay, so then, in all seriousness, why do you want to go after city council? You you don't have time, or do you? I just I think I'll have to stay up later because I really go to bed like at eight, <laughs> <laughs> and I like a full eight hours sleep. So I think I'm going to have to train yeah, well, my that's body to end like, real soon. Yeah, I think that I'm going to have to be really more that six hour person. And a lot of the city council meetings are like seven. So the ones that the, when I've gone, I'm like, man, I am so tired when I leave those at 8.30 right. or 9. Like, literally, this is past my bedtime. Mm-hmm. Right. So I think it is important that our all aspects of our community are represented. Like, that our city council looks like our community. Mm-hmm. And I think that you make sound, good decisions. We, us people when um we are challenged with different views and we can come together but we're respectful about those views and you know i think i have a lot to offer i think my background in hospitality i am able i work i work i lead teams of up to 55 to 60 that all come from different that all have a story that all have a walk a while in my shoes and i can relate to that but i also can make decisions removing emotion doing what's i think after i've gathered the data is going to be the best representation of what the Kaiser residents would like to see. And okay. I'm not always going to get it right, and that's okay, but I come back, I come to this with just a full heart of faith and love for my community. Yeah. Are you running opposed? To, is there, a- there is a, another person on the ballot. Um, they, after they turn in their signatures um, and all that, they let me know that they would not be actively running and not campaigning, but they are on the ballot. Well, that's interesting. Well, why that? I don't understand that. Well, that's when you know that somebody's committed, but then they back out and they're not actually committed. No offense to your opponent. I don't well, know who and it then is, but... my opponent, he actually ran for the Senate position that Kim Thatcher is running for, the Democratic, the one oh. that Richard Walsh had, but he the so, primary okay. in May. When you decided that you want to run for this, you have to go out and get signatures? How does it work? 
Yeah, so you go out, you get your 150 or 200 signatures. I'm not sure what it was. I think it was around 150, 125. And then you turn it back into the city council or the Kaiser City Hall, and then they verify it. They take those down to the county clerk, and they have to verify the signatures because they have to be Kaiser residents that are signing. Okay. And uh, do you have to go out and get the signatures yourself, or do you have somebody else goes out for you? I ha- I go out, but I also am able to say, here, husband, I have a job for you. <laughs> and then they fill out at the bottom, my name is right, Mark Cross. Right. Oh, yes. I collected these signatures. Like we're kind of doing with the um, school Teach, board yeah. petitions. Yep, exactly. Mm-hmm. So you were writing like, I got these signatures. I was there when they signed it. And okay. I decided that at the end of July and um why did I I walked in the Casa office to get toys for my kid for my kiddos to take them at a home visit and Shaney you know I've been watching her just journey through Kaiser City Council Shaney Starr she said there's an open seat for Kaiser City Council Councilor Herrera is not running again why don't you run and I said "Mm, I, I don't know and I went home when I was the chair for our first YMCA event I we named it the time is now because not putting things out. And I was like, oh, man, the time is now. Like, I can't put this stuff off. Like, I'll do it tomorrow. So then I talked to my husband. And my husband was like, you have too many things going on. And I was like, <laughs> but I can shuffle some things around. <laughs> like, Did I he ever say, you know, you, you, you are married. Hello. Hello. Yeah. You are he married. He said, no. And I said, okay, let's talk again tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> We'll revisit this. <laughs> Let's revisit this. And then the next day he says, okay, Sarita, I support you. And, you know, he, he's born and raised in Kaiser. Like, he lived in Kaiser before it was Kaiser. Right. Absolutely. Well, I admire that you've taken on these things like the YMCA, the CASA. It shows that your heart's there. Uh, you're wanting to get involved. You're interested in the behind-the-scenes thing, not, you know, not just up close and on the front lines. You're behind the scenes making sure. And a lot of people don't know what goes on behind the scenes. So with that, what is one thing that you what is the one thing you're going to target or that hits you the most when you get elected well, when kinda, you win yes. when i win yeah, yeah. <laughs> you like so what i did there first yeah. of all <laughs> i think it's important as a citizen as a community member i want to feel safe so public safety is very very important to me and that we are supporting our first responders we are supporting our police department we are supporting our frontline workers our fire department paramedics paramedics all the first responders. yes terry your son as well our military we need to we our community deserves to be safe deserves to feel safe and one, one of the things that my, my son just got on he's a paramedic and he just got on with the kaiser oh, and yay. he was he was telling me that uh we we're talking last night and they have um he says i said have you gotten any calls yet he goes i went on six today they have three different ambulances in Kaiser, and they're running solid. Really? There's that much going on in Kaiser, but you have to have the resources and the staff in order to make it work, and Kaiser does. Kaiser's making it happen. Yeah, so that is a priority. I mean, it's it, it it's part of the key link to having a successful community. You have to have the public safety element. You have to make sure that crimes and criminals are being held accountable. Yeah, amen. And the, the public, uh, the first responders, those are the real heroes. Yeah. You know, it's not the football player or the baseball player. No. The first responders are the real heroes. 100%. So you're all for that? 100%. You know, and whatever that looks like. I haven't, you know, I work on budgets. That's my job. But I am interested to go. And Kaiser is built on volunteerism and, you know, our pride and our spirit and, you know, whatever that looks like. I feel like the community will rally behind. We rally behind our people. And if really our do. 
if our police department needs something, I have no doubt that the city will figure that out. And I don't know what that looks like, you know? Mm -hmm. Maybe it's a huge fundraiser every year. I'm good at those. But (laughs) (laughs) You're like, I can do events all the time. Uh, Yeah. A lot of your background will play a huge key into this position. Mm -hmm. Huge. You've got a lot of experience that'll morph into making you just exceed so well in this. Yeah, and I'm just looking, you know, you got to look at things differently. I mean, there are key things that we should take with us in our history, but it's okay if we shift things. Yeah. What do you think is going to be your biggest challenge when you win? You stole my my question. My biggest challenge will be how slow the wills of government can work. Yes. Because I think that I'm like a... Do now, like, let's go. Like, even, like, this library thing. People have been working on this for a while, right? To get it on the ballot. You know, it's important, but you have to go through the work sessions. And and then all of a sudden, you're writing your budget for the next year. So if you are really passionate about something, what are you looking at? A budget that's a year or so out. And I really am like, okay, let's do it. How can we do this now, girl? So, so you're, you're, a, you're a firecracker. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. that yeah. I'm going to be like, let's go. And, like, the fact that I'll, that will be... That will be the rest of the council members are gonna look at you because like, slow her down. Right. Like I'm like, you know, let's come on, let's see the end result. I don't have time to watch this cake cook. Right. Like, yeah. <laughs> I like that analogy. I like that. So that will be my biggest challenge. It doesn't I'm not fearful of sitting there. I'm not fearful of learning new things because I will have to learn new things. Yeah, absolutely. So that's exciting. So yeah, it'll be a challenge, but it'll be good. So when when you win uh on November eighth, then then when do you actually Become where you get your you own chair and sit there. You would get sworn in the beginning of January. Okay, so okay. you got about a month or so to brush up on stuff and see where see where you need to go. Yep. How long is your How long do you serve? The term is four years. Okay. Okay, that's and cool. And you think you'll you'll do four years? Oh, absolutely. Like okay. when I commit to something, you know, I you do it. You sign up for something. You figure you finish it. Yeah, absolutely. We need to take a short break. When we come back, more with today's special guests. You're listening to the Terry Saul Show on 104.3 FM, 1220 AM, KSLM. Back. In just a moment, stick around. You're listening to The Terry Saul Show on KSLM AM and FM. Brought to you today by the Lule Group. Welcome back to The Terry Saul Weekend Show. We are talking with Amanda Smith, and our guest is Sarita Cross. Did I say it right? You did. Yeah. Well done. I noticed you haven't said it yet. Oh, so you stop it. <laughs> Sarita Cross, running for go. City Council Position 4. Oh, you do pay attention. I do. Uh, do you know at this point what your what your position when you win is going to entitle? Do you know what you're supposed to be doing? Yeah, I'm going to show up at city council meetings. That's <laughs> <And I'm>, it, huh? <laughs> and I'm going to get in there and get to know the constituents and get to know the You issues. have to learn those words, don't you? The yeah, constituents. constituents. <laughs> and the priorities and I think it's uh, I think life is about relationships. So yeah. it's building the relationships in the community and um you build their trust. I, I've been to a couple of Kaiser City Council meetings. It seems like they all get along. You guys all get along with each other. Yeah. See, I, I'd, I'd be a little rebel raiser. I'd go in there and get along with everybody. Uh-huh. <laughs> sure. I would. And so you were saying that the mayor will appoint you kind of an area? So, yeah. So there's different um, committees that are that have volunteers from the community, whether it be um, volunteer coordinating committees, it, there will be pedestrian committees, budget committees, the okay. arts commission. So each one of those committees that are that have volunteers from the community will have a city council liaison. Okay. So when you're when you're walking through the shopping center, um, 
Kaiser Station or something, and somebody walks up to you and says, hey, there's something we need to talk about. Mm-hmm. Are you going to listen to them, and are you going to take it to the— 100%. Like, I will be that person that you have my cell phone number. My husband probably won't like that. But, uh, <laughs> no, no, no. Now that I'm saying that out loud. But, uh, <laughs> yes, 100%. And what I love to do in my background is if I can't help you, even with all the nonprofit work I do, I'm going to figure out who can help you. So there's a lot that city council can't do, but I have built a lot of relationships in this community, whether it be with Kim Thatcher and our— as our senator or with uh, Mr. Kevin Mannix when he wins or other city councilors in Salem. Like, I build those relationships because if I don't have the answer, I'm going to figure out who does mm-hmm. you and have who team. can help you. So one of the biggest issues, I think, in, in everybody's um, campaign is homeless. Yes. Kaiser does have some homeless there. I live in Kaiser. I see it. What are you going to do to try and help that? Well, what can you do? You, I, the city council can only do so much, but what we can do is work with our Marion County commissioners. We can work with um, our legislature. We can work with the senators, and we can get some of these people without housing, the homelessness, um, off the streets and get them where they need to be. I mean, a big chunk are behavioral, you know, mental health. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And then a big chunk are addicts, and if they're, you know, that petty, that crime that goes with it. And if criminals aren't held accountable, it will keep happening. So we need to make sure that we are being supportive of our police and our district attorneys and our prosecutors and that we are living a life where we support the victims of crime. (laughs) So there was an issue that happened, gosh, a few months back where the Salem Parkway changed its name. You're going to get me riled. (laughs) (laughs) And so from my understanding, it was the Salem City Council that did that? From my understanding, approved. Right, okay. Approved the dollars to be spent. So, so they, they had an extra $80,000, didn't know what to do with San Francisco, <laughs> change the name of a street. So what would be your stand? Like, is that something that if that was to come to Kaiser, is that something you would have a say in? I mean, what direction would you have taken that in? Because they voted on that personally. Is that something they could have sent out to the people to figure out if that was something we wanted our tax dollars to go towards? So I am a advocate for nonprofits in the community, so I haven't worn the political hat yet. Yes. Yet. (laughs) (laughs) But I do believe key issues as right across the community members should be sent to the people. Mm-hmm. But sometimes not everything can be sent to the people right. and that's why you have to get there out there and vote and make sure that you are electing the people that you want to represent you. It, I, it seems like this just happened overnight. It was just a change and all of a sudden it happened. I mean, well, I read I read about it. I'll read the city. I mean, it's it's important, you know, like you, we can always learn from other people. So, exactly. yes, I watch Kaiser City Council and I also I also watch Salem City Council because we, you know, there are things. We can have learning moments every day. It's okay. Like, that's how we grow. We got to move with the change. Uh, I think it's important that, to me, that our tax dollars are spent efficiently and wisely, just like the way we run our businesses, just like the way we run our household. I, Sarita Cross, would not have voted to spend that money. $84,000 to change some signs. Uh, it was around 80000 Yes, I, I wouldn't heard. have. I think it's wonderful to... Um, play homage or homage to people and to Mm -hmm. say, but maybe wait until something else is built. Right. Yeah. Uh, Make a new name. 
Yeah, like or I, our new road, like, that name. Like I love that, you know, I'm part of the YMCA board and executive committee and that we have, we all voted on the board to name the new YMCA, the Whitnell Family YMCA. Like that's amazing. He's mm-hmm. an amazing community manager, amazing philanthropist. I wouldn't have voted to rename something that's already named that. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. <laughs> so what are you looking forward to most when you win? I am really looking forward to bridging a gap. I People are like, people fill my cup. Like, that's my energy. So I'm really excited to get out to Kaiser, whether it's at the new soccer field or just going out and camping it and, I don't know, wearing a sweatshirt that says, ask me a question, I'm a Kaiser City Counselor. <laughs> but those people that are just like, Ugh, government, puke, or, you know, to get people excited. Like, this is our house. Like, come on, let's do this together. Like, yeah. th- we aren't just a bunch of old grumpy people or you know some most people you know i bet there's a good percentage that you know city council what is it what does that look like like i want them to be like this is what it looks like this is how you can make a difference and ask me a question i'm here for you get involved good for you good for you with our final minute or so we have left then um if people wanted to get in touch with you if they wanted to help uh your campaign if they wanted to ask you a question, what's the best way to get in touch with you? Don't give your cell phone number out because I, <laughs> I know our listeners. Uh, <laughs> you could. What's the best way to do that? Um, Facebook. Just message me. I have a page set up, so sir, right across. Do you have a email or a website? I know. You know, I went since I started so late in the game. Well, you don't have the time to build one. Yeah, so I started so late <laughs> in the game. They said well, you don't need a website. So okay. I was there you like, go. Maybe that's a good idea because I do want to connect with people. Okay. Well, if you guys uh, can't find it, don't hesitate to reach out to us, and I will direct you guys in the right direction. After you win, will you come back and see us again? You're fun oh, to talk with. 100%. Like, this is fun. I've never done it before. Okay. Right? So when we come into the city council meetings, make sure you wave to us because then we'll feel important. Oh, actually, I feel like I'm going to be the one. Like, I'm probably going to shake things up a little bit because it probably is <laughs> like girl. some roles. Like, I'm going to be the one that goes out and, like, hugs people in the crowd. And <laughs> I love it. I love it. That personal touch. Yeah, we wish you the best of luck and uh, come back and see us again. 100%. Thank you so much for your time. You're listening to The Terry Saul Show on KSLM AM and FM. Brought to you today by the Lule Group. We're back in five, four, Q Terry, two, one, you're on. You're listening to The Terry Saul Show on KSLM AM and FM, brought to you today by the Lule Group. We are back. This is The Terry Saul Weekend Show, Salem's original radio station, KSLM AM and FM. I am your host, Amanda Smith, has joined us today, and today we have a special guest. Who are we have in here? We do. We have Jason, who is the CEO of the Freedom Foundation. Good morning. How are you? The organ director, but I appreciate oh, the promotion. Uh, not trying to lose my job here this morning. That's great. That's my great, Amanda. My Let's just go ahead and demote the guy right off the bat here. Or promote. Or promote. Yeah, Either one. You're with the Freedom Foundation. What is the Freedom Foundation? 
Foundation. So the Freedom Foundation is a national 501c3 nonprofit that does one thing. Uh, we fight government unions. Uh, government unions, as we know, are the number one funders of the radical left in the country. Um, and what they've done is really create quite a brilliant system where they get to siphon money out of public employees' paychecks that they then use to funnel into the campaigns of leftist politicians that will go into office to do two things, which is raise taxes and grow government. Because when those two things happen, that means you get to hire more public employees, which means they get to take more union dues, which means you get to have more money to put back into politics. And around and round and round the cycle it goes. And, you know, that's ultimately how we ended up with two supermajorities and the lovely Miss Brown here in, in the state of Oregon. Thankfully, the Supreme Court came in in 2018, a case that we won with uh, in partnership with National Right to Work. And they said, you know what, Terry, the idea that I can take money out of your paycheck and use it to advance political causes that you don't agree with is actually a direct violation of your First Amendment rights. That was a very big decision. Uh, the issue with that is that most people aren't sitting on the edge of their seats for every Supreme Court decision, especially not when it's relating to labor law. So it really took grassroots effort like ours. We have canvassers all across the country that speak to public employees at their homes and offices. We do mail, texting, uh, billboards, email campaigns, everything you can think of to, one, make sure public employees are informed of their rights regarding union membership, and two, uh, they know exactly what the union's doing with their money. And for most people, when they find out those two pieces of information, they decide that government union membership is not the best idea for them. You have uh, you have a lot of enemies, don't you? Yeah, uh, maybe a couple. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Might be a few people out there that don't particularly care for your, you and your uh, organization. That's quite all right. So how did how did you guys determine that there was this was going on? Well, really, it was in, in our face. You know, this uh, the Freedom Foundation started in 1991 in Washington State as a, a kind of traditional conservative think tank. Um, and I'm not saying anything bad about conservative think tanks, but they did a lot of thinking, uh, being a conservative group <laughs> in Washington State, not a lot of action. And we had a, a leadership change in 2014, uh, a man by the name of Tom McCabe, who worked in the Reagan administration. Um, he ran the Builders Industries Association in Washington State. He'd done a lot of things in, in the quasi-political realm. And what he said was, no matter what he was doing, whenever he was working to advance an agenda, based in, in liberty and free enterprise, his biggest roadblock was always government unions. So he wanted to completely reorient our organization to be solely focused on combating that because up until that point, there was really no organized opposition to government unions, which is how they became so powerful. And now their best days are definitely over. Oregon has actually been our most successful state. Oregon has seen the largest decline in public union. I'll get there. Uh, they've seen the... Uh, <laughs> largest decline in public union membership than any other non-right-to-work state post-Janus. And part of that is because it's a little bit smaller of a state. We've been able to scale our operations at a rate we haven't yet been able to do elsewhere. Um, in Oregon, we've got about 190,000 public employees that we work to message to. Washington State is slightly more than double that. Our friends down south of us Cal in California, 1.3 million public employees. So you talk about even just the cost of sending a postcard, right, to all those people. It's, it's right. quite a bit more than that we 
we've been able to do here. But along what we've seen along with the decline in public union membership in the state of Oregon is a decline in government union political spending. When you look at the 2020 election and compare it to the 2016, government unions spent over 60% less in the state of Oregon, over $11.4 million less in the 2020 elections um, than they did in 2016. Oh, and, wow. uh, you know, I think that's a pretty good thing. That pattern's continuing in this election cycle that we're watching right now. Who, who are the members? Is every government employee has to join a union? It used to be. It used to be. If you wanted to work for the state of Oregon, if you were a construction guy on ODOT, uh, ODFW, any state agency, you were going to be a dues-paying member of SEIU 5. Whether you wanted to or not. That was a requirement of the job. This is what the Supreme Court said in 2018, that that's not okay. Because what they said is government unions are actually in and of themselves political entities, and you cannot compel political speech. That's wow. crazy. So how many people have opted out this year? Do you know that number? So in the state of Oregon, since we've began, um, we're just under 25,000 public employees that we have directly helped out opt out of government unions. As an organization, we're about 130,000 across the country. Wow. That's made a huge difference. It has. Uh, that's cost government unions over $213 million. Yeah. <laughs> Ouch. <laughs> Yeah, that's pretty exciting. So, I'd take that as a paycheck. Yeah. yeah. What's your What's your favorite part of your job and what you do with all of this? Oh, that's a really good question. I'm gonna have to be a little political in my response because I don't know if I should say what I really want to on the air. <laughs> it's um, okay. I've seen our ratings. No one's listening. <laughs> The people that we're working against um, are not nice people. Right. And it brings me a, a heck of a lot of joy to know that I'm giving them a, a pretty big headache. Um, I think that's that's probably one of my who, favorite who things. Who are the people that you're giving this headache to? The government union bosses. Okay. Oh, yeah. The Randy Weingartens Locally of here the world. Or nationwide? In, or? Oh, yeah. Both. Both, uh, yeah. Both okay. and. But really, it's it's the individual people that we're helping, right? Because not only is, is does this have a, a effect on, on the government union's bottom line, and that's money that they they don't deserve, they haven't earned, they haven't done anything for it. But this is also individual people. Uh, your average public employee pays over $900 a year in union dues. You talk about right now with the cost of inflation and, and uh, gas and everything going through the roof. If you're a single mom working on a state salary, I mean, that's that's real money. Mm-hmm. Um, and you probably know a little bit better how you can spend that than some union boss that's getting paid six figures anyways, uh, whether or not you want to participate. Absolutely. And so those stories, the people that are calling us every day, every single day, so grateful that we were able to reach them because they don't have any idea. Still, this is 2022. This decision is 2018. We're still talking to people every day that had no idea this was an option because the state can't tell them. They have to remain impartial and the union sure as hell isn't going to tell them. So it has to be us. Right. Why, why can't the state inform them? Uh, when, especially when you when you join, uh, you have an option. This is what you want. The well, state like it's a great question, Terry. Uh, and in other states, that's a thing. In a state like ours, with our current government makeup, they don't want to. They don't want to tick off their BFFs in the government unions. So that's something that we're looking forward to change as state policy, um, with a hopeful leadership change here come November. But as of right now, that is not happening. Politics can suck. Yes, they you know, can. It really can. Mm-hmm. So you guys have a few lawsuits out there 
going around, correct? 85, maybe a few That's more to than a some few. people. That's uh, more than a few. Uh, that's a lot our, of few. I don't think our attorneys would say that's a few, uh, the way that they're working so hard. But uh, what's, yes, what's we the do. main one that you guys are really watching right now? So, right now, specifically in the state of Oregon, we have five forgery cases in the works where wow. we have forgery. Forgery. Where this is quite, I'm not exaggerating, where a public employee who had intentionally never signed up for union membership all of a sudden is beginning to have hundreds of dollars deducted from his pay. When we sent demand letters to the union trying to figure out what the heck is going on here, we were met with authorization forms that they claimed authorized the dues deductions, where not only was the public employee's information false, personal information incorrect, but the signature was clearly forged. We have five of those cases here in the state of Oregon. As an organization, we have over 16 uh, on the West Coast. Uh, The fifth one that we brought here in Oregon, we actually attached state and federal RICO claims to uh, against SEIU 503. What's a RICO claim? So the RICO claims, that's interesting. Um, And I'm not an attorney, so I might uh, not be the best explanation. But that's ultimately what brought down the mob was to treat them like an organized crime. These are not one-off examples, but this is coming from the top down. And that's really what these government unions are still acting like back into their mafia days, that this is really a criminal enterprise and they need to be treated like that. So you're taking on the mob, huh? You know, if if I'm walking out of here today and leave behind my paycheck and you start signing signing checks out in my name, I'm sorry, but I'm going to have you in jail by the end of the day. Um, And these unions have managed to mend this into their business practice and they're using the state to do it, uh, which is totally insane. Who is forging? I mean, you guys must know who's forging these things. So that's what's going to come out in discovery in these lawsuits. Um, You can't say right now that. We actually have, we got two um, pretty bad decisions uh, from the Ninth Circus Court of Appeals uh, in the last two weeks um, where they've actually said that, yes, we acknowledge these forms are forged, but conveniently, we are not willing or possibly uh, unable to hold either the state or union accountable. What? Um, and they ruled against us in them. And so these are cases that we are going to be taking the United States Supreme Court where we expect they will be very sympathetic. Wow. <laughs> That's exciting, though. That's pretty exciting that you get to make a difference and hold people accountable because what they're doing is not right and it's not fair. No, oh, it's asinine. It's yeah. absolutely asinine. To forge somebody's signature and take money from them, well, especially in today's time. And, and it, it, who are they forging the signatures? Could it be a single, like you said, a single mom with kids? Right. Mm-hmm. And they're taking money out. And some of these people need their money. They, well, we all need our money. Oh, yeah, absolutely. That is, that is crazy. Well, we need to take a, a quick break. Don't go anywhere. We're just getting warmed up here. Today's show is being brought to you by the Lule Group, Lule's Car Connection, Don Lule Homes, Teresa Lule State Farm Insurance. We'll be back with uh, Jason from Freedom Foundation in just a moment. You're listening to Terry Saul on 104.3 FM and 1220 AM KSLM. Smith has joined us today. You're listening to The Terry Saul Show on KSLM AM and FM, brought to you today by the Lule Group. We're back in 5, 4, Q Terry, 2, 1, you're on. You're listening to The Terry Saul Show on KSLM AM and FM, brought to you today by the Lule Group. Good morning. We are back with our final few minutes of today's show. Today's guest has been uh, Jason. How do you say your last name? Dudash. Dudash. That's a cool name. I like that. You know what it means at all? 
No. Had Doodash. It means Doodash. Yeah. <laughs> From the Freedom Foundation. Real quickly, why don't you give us a recap? What is the Freedom Foundation? So the Freedom Foundation, it's really easy to remember because all we do is one thing. Uh, we're the ones out there fighting government unions. That's awesome. Okay, you say government unions. You don't fight local unions at all then? or No. Uh, unfortunately, Oregon is not a right-to-work state. Uh, the Supreme Court decision, Janice, that we referenced earlier, uh, only applies to public employee unions. Um, right now, uh, public, uh, private sector unions unions, I'm sorry, um, still are required to be in the union if you want to work at that shop, which really is not as bad in my opinion, especially a lot of the local unions around here. They're not as politically involved for people. And really, when you think about it, Terry, the the private sector unions really have to have an interest in the company's bottom line. The company has to be doing well because if they're not, then their members aren't going to be doing well and then the union's going to be out of a job, Mm -hmm. right? In the public sector, though, you and I are the bottom line, the taxpayer. And it's been pretty clear that the union doesn't really give a damn about us. Um, so that's really how those two things kind of differentiate. It used to be back in the in the old days when I first started working that joining a union was a good thing. Boy, those guys will take care of you. They got your back. and But it doesn't seem so much anymore. No, uh, particularly the government unions, I, I believe, have morphed into something that they were never intended to be, right? This is, this is not 1890 anymore. Um, we're not out here protecting workers from the hazards of coal mines. Government unions today they exist to serve one purpose, and that is as a cash cow for the left. When we had Dimitri in here uh, last month, he was saying a percentage of what the dues are for the teachers union, and then I think it was like 10% of what they collect overall goes actually back to them, and then the rest goes to the political. Yeah, so um, the NEA, uh, specifically the, the nation's largest teachers union, in 2021, they collected $377 million. Um, <laughs> from public teachers' paychecks across the country. Go ahead and take a wild stab, Terry, at what percentage of that you think can be tied back to teachers, representation, anything remotely connected to the classroom. At least half of it. At least. That is way too generous, my friend. Uh, The number is 8.5%. Just just $32 million um, tied to representation. Over half of their budget, though, which uh, that's really interesting that you thought it was half because you would assume that half of their, at least half their budget was spent on their priority, Right, right? Right, right. Um, over half of their budget was spent on political lobbying, uh, which shows you that that really is their number one priority um, and that teachers really are just nothing more than a steady paycheck to pay into the teachers union's political agenda. How did this all happen? How did how did it all of a sudden get twisted so it's now I wish I could tell you. I, I really wish I could tell you um, because for, for private sector folks like you and I, it doesn't make any sense, right? right? Could, could you imagine spending less than 10% of your revenue on your customers, on, on what your business's stated priority is? we'd be out of business would, in a week. I was right? just going to say, if it was any other business, if that's the Imagine way Imagine trying to run this radio station <laughs> using 10% oh, of your Oh, let's not go there. <laughs> <laughs> right? Um, but I think that this this is um, the consequence of the fact that they had a monopoly for so long mm-hmm. because they, they really took for granted that every new teacher, every new public employee was going to automatically be a dues-paying member to the union, whether or not they were happy with the service, whether or not they got any service for their money. It was automatically it was required by law. And they got, I think, a, maybe a little too comfortable with that situation. And now that that all changed in Janice, thinks the Supreme Court in 2018, they're not really all that sure what to do now. Did it change in 2018? Is that when this really got ugly? That's when the Supreme Court said that this, this system isn't working. That, again, the idea that I can take money directly out of your paycheck and use it to advance political causes that you don't agree with is a direct violation of your First Amendment rights. Yeah. Um, and therefore, they're required to 
completely opt out of the union. Uh, I'm sorry, allowed, not required, uh, to completely opt out of the union and keep all of their money in their own paycheck. That is bizarre. Now, do they lose a lot of benefits from doing that? Absolutely not. That is a talking point from the teachers' unions, from all government unions. They try to use fear and manipulation to keep uh, their members because that's mm-hmm. really all they have. Right. They want you to think that when you opt out that the, the roof is caving in on you and that they're really out here protecting you from this esoteric imaginary dragon. And that's just simply not the case. Um, the one thing I will say about teachers' unions is that the NEA offers a $1 million liability insurance policy, uh, which is a very legitimate concern for, for a lot of teachers. That's, you know, if you're if a, a parent or a student says you hit them and they try to sue you personally, that policy exists uh, to protect you. There's a few things about that. So one, that policy is not actually in the teacher's name. It's in the union's name. So the union's actually not required to give it to you in every circumstance. They say oh. that, that you'll get it, but it's not required. Secondly, now, is there's other options. Um, thanks to the free market, there's a great a bunch of teachers associations across the country. One that we have out here in the Northwest um, is NWPE, Northwest Professional Educators. They actually offer a $2 million liability insurance policy and a bunch of other great benefits um, that teachers care about. And their dues are only $16.50 a month compared to $120 a month with the NEA. Um, wow. You know, because they're not doing all this extra political BS and they're right. not paying their executive directors six-figure salaries. Jeez. They're actually focused on what the teachers care about. So that is the one benefit that Oregon teachers do lose if they opt out is that liability insurance policy. Everything else is provided by the contract, which is provided by the district, uh, the school district. It's not based on union membership at all. And now there are plenty of other options um, to address those other concerns. But that could be a pretty heavy hit, though, if you opt out of that and you lose that insurance policy there if something should happen. Exactly, which is why it's a concern. But now they can go sign up for other great associations and not have to be worried about mm-hmm. their money getting sent to causes that they don't agree with. Wow. And it's a tiny fraction of the price. Exactly. 120-something versus, you know, a little over $15. A month, yeah. dollars. What, is, what is the largest union out there right now? So in the in the country yeah. or in, uh, so SEIU. Well, let's do both. Uh, yeah, SEIU is going to be one of the largest in the country, the Service Employees International Union. Um, they're certainly the largest here in Oregon. They have about 72,000 public employees uh, here in the state, followed closely by the teachers union here, the OEA, um, who's got about 44,000. So the teachers pretty good. It used to be the the truckers union was was the big one. Maybe internationally, again, that's going to be in the private sector, so that's not something that we directly deal with. So I have to ask you, what's your, what's, I asked you on the last segment, what was your favorite part of this job that you do? Now, what is your least favorite? What just ticks you? Oh, man. Really, it's how, and I'm going to say it, I think evil some of these people are. Mm -hmm. Really, it's what they're advancing. I I truly do believe that the major government unions here are the largest vehicle for bringing socialistic policies into this country. It really, I do believe, and I think we've seen this across the world Mm -hmm. with other socialistic countries, that all of that really started to turn um, with the big labor movement. And that's exactly what's happening here. When you're looking at the policies that these people are promoting, um, the politicians that they're promoting, it certainly doesn't matter what their members want. Um, It's, again, on their own agenda. Mm -hmm. Uh, you got to think that over 99% of political contributions by government unions 
go to the left, go to Democrats. And when you look at their members that they represent, 99% of them are not Democrats, yeah. right? It's it's typical of the, of the average voter makeup where you have about a third Republican, a third Democrat, and a third Independent. Yep. Um, so why are they doing all of this money out to one side? It's because they, they have an agenda that they're advancing. They're not representing their members and they're not giving them a voice in politics like they say they are. They're doing their own thing, um, which I think is the destruction of America. All right, Jason, we are just uh, we are about out of time there. If people wanted to get in touch with you, what's the best way? Freedomfoundation.com. Uh, they can go learn all about us if they feel so inclined. They can go make a tax-deductible donation. Uh, we're a 501c3 nonprofit, so all donations of Freedom Foundation are tax-deductible and non-disclosable. All right. Awesome. Uh, you come back and join us again some other time? Absolutely. All righty. Amanda, thank, thank you. you for hanging out with us. Oh, yeah, thank you. We're just about out of time for today's show. Remember, you can catch our show every Saturday at 10 a.m. and a replay Sundays at 6 p.m. right here on Salem's original radio station, KSLM. A reminder, if you missed any of today's show or would like to hear any of my shows, you can always hear a podcast on our official KSLM website at www.kslm.news or on my official website at www.terrysaul.com. If you would like to drop me a note, I'd love to hear from you. My email address is terry at kslm.news. We'll see you next time. Take care and be safe. You've been listening to The Terry Saul Show on Salem's original radio station, 104.3 FM and 1220 AM KSLM. Today's show is brought to you by the Lule Group, featuring Lule's Car Connection, Don Lule Holmes, and Teresa Lule's State Farm Insurance. That's a wrap. Thanks, everybody. Good show. Bye, everybody.